0: Hey, welcome to Intentional Living Center today. Dr. Randy here along with Jennifer and Amy and um, some folks calling. We're going to get to here in just a moment on parenting. What are you facing? What are some challenges? I call all of these things high stake relationships and, uh, and a high stake is anything that, well, it's a high stake. You lose, you lose big. Um, people do that in gambling, don't you? You don't want to gamble with your kids. You don't want to gamble with your family or your marriage, your family. These things are um, important. And so we're taking some calls talking about high-stake relationships with your kids, adult kids, younger kids, and uh, we'll get to some calls here in a moment. Uh, if you have a comment you want to leave with me today, you can do that at 888-888-1717. 888 doctor Randy here from what we call our intentional living center, a part of the ministry of family life radio ministry within a ministry committed to helping us go a little deeper, not only to experience hope we talk about through the worship and praise throughout the day, but also to go deeper and how do you actually experience that hope on a daily basis? So you can experience freedom in your life. Okay. And so we've got some callers lined up. People love comments. In fact, uh, I want to, I want to get started with a comment that, um, came in from Juana in Arizona, I think, uh, well, maybe some of you will relate. Take a listen.
1: Uh, Well, my question is, um, I have an adult son living with me, um, him and his wife, and um, he has come from a background of drugs. I feel like I need to give him a safe
2: environment for him to grow. He's
1: known the word. He's known it since he was little. And um, he did turn away for a while, and now he's back. He's doing exceptionally well, but he still has days where he'll call me, he was, Mom, I'm struggling, I need you to pray me through, and or he'll call somebody from the church. But what I find myself doing, Dr. Randy, is that I still find myself dealing with him sometimes or talking to him like he's a child. But I just want to make sure that he has the nurturing and safe environment for him to grow and then eventually leave.
0: It, I, with emphasis on the eventually leave, right? You know, dr- drugs are destroying families and lives. Um, it used to be that they would just destroy, now they're killing killing people in um, large numbers. And uh, it's, a, it's a battle in families, and it's a battle in this country. And I understand that. I've talked to families and dealt with families. And so a couple things I would say to Wanita and all families, if you have this kind of thing... Get help for yourself to have a strategy and know how to deal with this. You can't fix your son or daughter. You can't fix the decisions they're making. You can't fix their addiction. They've got to be. What's the first step in the AA process? You got to accept the fact that I'm to- totally responsible. You know, um, without without the help of God, I'm stuck. Um, you know, I'm in the ditch. I'm stuck. And so praying for your son and I. You know, the fact we want to give our son or daughter a, a safe environment. And a supportive environment, I think, is a good thing as long as that child is taking advantage of that in a positive, healthy, growing way, but if they're taking advantage of it to further destroy their life and those around them, then that's where the tough love really needs to come in. And boy, for those of you going down that trail, you know what that's like. Juanita, thanks for your call. All right, Brendan, Arizona, (laughs) a little different topic, hovering parenting going on here. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great, how are you, Dr?
0: Good. Mates? Good, good. What's your question?
2: Well, I am a helicopter parent of an eight year old daughter uh-huh. and the caller with the twenty one year old in college right. really struck a chord with me. So I'm calling to see what I can do at this early age um, to help my child in the future to make her own decisions and for her to be self-motivated and um, you know do the I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe my issue is control, but to do good on her own without me being that helicopter parent Mm -hmm. and checking on her homework, is your homework done, have you done your homework, that whole situation.
0: Yeah. Is she your first one?
2: She is my only. Oh.
0: That's like a super first I think my
2: husband balances me pretty good, but (laughs) I think we both have a little, um, you know, we want her to be successful in her school and and everything she does, but... um, Is she? I can totally see how I am really the super-duper hover helicopter parent. Yeah,
0: and of course, all kids respond differently, but how does she respond to it? Does she get a little uptight if things aren't perfect?
2: Sometimes, yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it comes back to recognizing the issue, Brenda, as you do, and, and uh, becoming cognizant and aware of it. Um, I think toward your daughter is to, you know, ask her opinion on things. Let her make decisions. Uh, m- maybe there's options and she gets an opportunity to choose between them. Um, focus not on the A's all the time that she's getting at school, but focusing on the fact that she has passion and interest, helping her explore what those passions and interests are. It sounds, if I hear you right, sounds like you got a good kid. She's
2: amazing. Yeah. She is the biggest blessing I can. I mean, she is is really an amazing kid. She is smart and um, she excels in everything that she does.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, you got an only child. Like I said, that's a super duper firstborn, you know, and the new firstborn, as my friend Dr. Kevin Lehman said, is not always a great gift. Uh, those of us who are babies, a lot of the pressure was taken off. My my mom and dad used to say that. I mean, I came along 11 years after my two older brothers and my parents by that point were pretty tired. And And frankly, I grew up without a lot of pressure on me from my parents. I think, and my mom always used to say, it was your older brother that we put all the pressure on, which we felt badly about. And I think that, that's one of the things you got to watch for with onlys and hovering parenting is to realize that uh, we can over-control and even though your child may not say much negative about it, but if you see they're starting to get into this perfectionistic stuff, boy, that is a that can be so damaging. And being aware of it is half of the battle, uh, getting to that point. Okay, let's take a break. And then uh, we're going to come back and are going to go with Cindy, a disrespectful daughter. What do you do about that? Hang on. This is Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. We are Intentional Living, and we'll be right back. And we are. Thank you, Kurt, Mr. Kurt, uh, with that little disclaimer there for us. Um, We're from the Intentional Living Center, part of Family Life Radio, ministry within a ministry. We're committed through our radio network of Family Life Radio, bringing you, my goodness, great programming, 24 hours a day, great worship and praise. So many of the stations you listen to are doing that too, committed to helping you grow in your walk um, in Christ. But we made a decision that we want to go deeper in terms of, okay, when you shut the radio off, what do you do when you still got a kid that's disrespectful? We're going to get to that call in a moment. What do you do when you got a a kid with drugs? What what are you going to do when you got a marriage that's uh, falling apart or you're struggling? What do you do? Intentional living is about really three basic principles that are biblical. First of all, is you got to make the right decision. I'm finding so many people, we become the product of the dumb decisions that we've made in life. Come on, you know how that is? You made decisions, didn't pray about it, didn't get good counsel. And I know sometimes other people make dumb decisions that affect us. I know, we live in that kind of a world, I understand that. But let's be honest, um, we blame Satan a lot of for things that maybe we just kind of did ourselves. Satan is applauding, saying, good job, dumb decision. Uh, I'm happy for you because that keeps you stuck in that vicious cycle of neg- negative emotions and problems, and, and, it, and it takes away the effectiveness of really living an intentional life in Christ. Decisions number two is every day. As you're moving toward a goal, what one thing are you going to do today that at the end of the day you can look back and say, this is one thing today that moved me closer to the goal that God placed in my life to bring him glory and benefit to my family, and to, in this case, to my kids. And then every day, number three, what do I do to declutter something? An attitude, vocabulary, words. You know, we had the conference in Albuquerque a couple weeks ago, and I always bring, I try to bring a, a word shredder. All it is is a paper shredder. I called my word shredder. And I tell people, think about some statements you make to yourself, about yourself, about the world that Satan is enjoying, but it's damaging your life. The self-talk, right? I said, write it down and say, right here tonight, I'm going to leave this phrase here in this word shredder and I'm not taking it home with me. And I walked off the platform and people came from all over the auditorium with their words or phrases they wanted to shred. For those of us who are... Uh, we learn by doing, doing it physically as a reminder, taking the, the kind of words and phrases out of our vocabulary that damage us from uh, being what God really intends for us to be. So, anyway, uh, I promised uh, we've got a caller, Cindy, apparently a disrespectful daughter. What's uh, What's going on, Cindy?
3: I have... Two teenagers. One, uh, my daughter. She'll be 19 here shortly, and I have a 17-year-old son. And I am a single mother, and I have been for quite a while. Um, my daughter, she, um, she's always been a very strong person, very strong-willed. Her, her whole demeanor, and and likewise so have I. But I've always been a very um, a loving mother. I might not show a lot of emotion, but um, I'm very hands-on, and uh, I tried my hardest. I consciously, you know, uh, attempted to be the very best mo- mother and role model that I could be. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my daughter, she has always been very disrespectful towards myself. I can't really say the same as for her, uh, for her to be that way in public and to uh, strangers. Um, she does have a very standoffish personality towards strangers. She's not as um, outgoing as I am and, and nice to other people, uh, but she's not mean to them either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, around the house, and it's put in a, a strain on our relationship because I, I'll ask her if she would help me with something. Uh, at this time, I have a hip injury, and I've been on freshers for eight weeks, and it's been almost. Um, I'm reluctant to ask for her assistance. Uh,
0: yeah, this is a 19 year old daughter.
3: <laughs> yes, sir.
0: See, Cindy, you sound <laughs> like a sweetheart, single mom. Very loving. You want to do the right thing with your daughter. You got a real strong nineteen-year-old who, frankly, sounds like she feels she can just run over you.
3: Um, I, I think so. And i i put I I believe I put my foot down plenty of times. But I even asked her, "Please, please, put being so rude to me," and she said she's not being rude.
0: That's not put, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think you misunderstand putting what it means to put your foot down. I I, I don't think we stomp our foot and say, "Hey." You know, would you please be nice to me or respectful to me? I don't think that's putting our foot down. I think, Cindy, uh, a little bit of a, a a single mom backbone here is going to be tough. But to sit down with your 19-year-old and say, honey, I love you. Uh, you're 19 years old. And if, you know, I there are things that I expect, I'll be clear on expectations, Around the home that you have to start taking care of your own room or whatever it is, or and honey, if that's not something you can do and we can't talk through and come to an agreement, then you're, you know, it's maybe time you're going to have to be on your own. You're 19 now, but I'm not. I can't continue to take disrespect.
3: Right, I agree. I actually have had a talk with her, and one thing that I I will uh, say is she does do chores as she always has. Um, it's just to the point of when I ask her, she'll give me the attitude. She'll do it with she'll be upset about it but she'll still do it so i find that the communication though it's really just it's hard to do because um i if we communicate that's where the rudeness is yeah. if i don't communicate i
0: well you don't, you don't <laughs> communicate she's doing what she wants but is she in college or, or is she working or
3: uh, she, she's working and, and who's paying the bills uh, i do she's she pays um, for, like, the Internet or her cell phone, which is still under my plan, uh-huh, but, um, but uh, she get right.
0: All right, so you're doing the food, you're doing the house, you're taking care of expenses, and she's working? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, what's the plan? Where is she going to be in six months or a year? And uh, whatever's going on in your daughter's life, whatever whatever thinks she thinks she can get away with disrespect, let me tell you something. If she can disrespect you, she's going to disrespect others. That We learn in the home. We're teaching in the home. I can't, I can't imagine hearing you be tough with your daughter. Here's how it goes. Here's, here's probably how it goes with you, Emily. Honey, I, I really don't like it when you talk to me that way. Is there any way you could stop doing that? That would be really helpful. And maybe in your heart, you're thinking you're being tough. And she's inside saying, I can really run over mom. So, you know, you talked about what would happen if you're not here. Maybe you need to maybe you need to give her an idea what that's like when the food isn't there and the check isn't there and and uh, the cell phone doesn't get paid and they shut the cell phone off for her. And she says, hey, mom, my cell phone's off. Yeah, that's right. When you start treating me with respect, I'll come back and be ready to help you. But I'm tired of it. Feeling like I can't ask you for your help without getting an attitude back. And I don't appreciate that. Ooh my child won't like me you know what they may not but they'll respect you and they'll look back later and say hey i how many of us come on some of you could say you know i really did treat my parents pretty poorly when i was a teenager and they were tough they they held me accountable i didn't like it but now i look back and realize they did the best thing for me keeping them accountable is a powerful and frankly the right thing to do. I hope that helps, Cindy. God bless you. I know you're trying hard, and I would just encourage you to get a game plan and stick stick with it. All right. Um, you can always leave your comment with us at 888 1717
4: Hi, Dr. Randy. This is Lisa, calling in regards to the passive aggressiveness. My son, he is both passive and aggressive. He's shut me out for the last six months. And now I have a tendency of also shutting him out, of not wanting to work this out. Um, I was wondering if he could have any comments or any suggestions. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. You know, when people are passive-aggressive, it's it's a way of controlling. That's really what it is. It's a form of control. I just wouldn't be controlled by it. I wouldn't shut your son out. I just wouldn't tolerate it, or I'd challenge it when it comes up. He says one thing and does something else. I'd challenge that. You said this, but this is what you did. I don't understand. I keep the ball, the proverbial ball of life, on their side of the court. Isn't that the goal when you think about playing a game of tennis? You want to get the ball back over the court, and so you're putting the ball back in their lap. Let them wrestle with whatever they're doing, or thinking, or an attitude that they have to to work through. That's really a part of intentional parenting. You know, disappointment can just create so many serious problems for a family. And as we've talked so often, it's the disappointment as a result of unmet expectations. But disappointment is a part of life. Kids can get disappointed they don't get what they want, what they expect, what they desire, and that's true as adults as well. And one of the things that we can do in our family that can be so helpful to manage stress and difficulties in a family relationship is to talk about how do we manage those disappointments in our life when things don't work out exactly like we would like them to be? And when we can manage our disappointments, we can really manage our family in a healthier way. You know, that's an excerpt from the teaching this month on how intentional living can make a difference in a stressed out, maybe struggling family. We're doing a three month series on this topic of intentional living last month uh, in this dying culture, this broken world in which we live. This month, we're talking about intentional living in our stressed out, maybe struggling family. And then in December, Really focusing on our own personal lives. How in the world do we live intentionally in Christ in our own family? And I mean our own life, our own mind, our own thinking, our own attitude. I'm Dr. Randy. This is the Intentional Living Center. We're committed to our lives having less regret, more purpose, more meaning, actually living out our faith in this crazy world in which we live. How do you face the stuff that's going on? Making decisions today about things that are really important for your life. Uh, That's why we're here. And we teach over and over these principles of decision, doing, and decluttering. These three things deciding, doing, and decluttering. Those are the three really basic things, and they're biblical. Uh, making the right decisions that are honor Christ, heading the right direction, as Paul says, forgetting what's behind and pressing toward that one thing, that goal, and then decluttering our life, removing things from our life, attitudes, words, people, people sometimes, right? Um, schedules, financial decisions that clutter our life and hold us down, uh, and so we can have we can have more freedom and less regret in our life. That's really what we want to focus on uh, for God's glory, and as we say for for your benefit. All right, talking kids today. Let's go to uh, Emily in Missouri. Uh, what's your story, Emily?
5: Well, I'm a child of a blended marriage, and I just wanted to call in and, you know, give my little piece of advice to parents um, that with young kids, and particularly with parents that have lost a spouse, and that's the reason why they're remarrying. Mm.
0: Um,
5: my, My father died when I was about 11, and then when I was about 16 or 17, my mom got remarried um but i have to say it was really difficult but the thing that got me through it the most was and still is the way seeing the way that my stepdad loves my mom yeah and the way that he allows her to love my dad still
0: mm. that's, been, that's been has been important way, to you hasn't
5: it yeah it's it's been really good and it's been Really important to my entire family to see that and be allowed, like, to still love my dad, to still talk about my dad with my stepdad, and he's curious, and he, he likes yeah. to learn about him and who he was, and and that's really important to us and also to the grandchildren and the family, too, because they still get to know my dad and, and learn about him and love him through the rest of us.
0: Yeah. Like I like I said in the teaching, uh, Emily, that when they blend a family, you're in, you're entering in the second or third act, and the first act uh, has already been played out. And sometimes people want to just you know believe it never existed. You know, there's no there's no one it never happened, and these people are gone. And what what I hear you saying is by uh, your dad, your stepdad, your dad saying, "Hey, um, I recognize, and I want to know about uh, your your." your biological father, that became a meaningful connection point for you with with uh, with this man.
5: Right, right. Yeah,
0: that's pretty special. Well, Emily, I appreciate you calling today and weighing in on this uh, very important topic. God bless you.
5: Thank you. God bless you.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has. Thank you. You know, there's so much to when we, uh, today there's so much emphasis on my past, where they come, through, my, my identity. We believe our identity is in Christ. But looking at our heritage, where would we come from? And um, th- these things are really interesting. There's a fascination um, with that, but also understanding that we, the need of a human being, is to belong. When you look back to the beginning of in the book of Genesis, here's Adam in this perfect environment, perfect world, alone, and uh, God says it's not good for you to be alone. And he made woman. And then after sin, he made children. (laughs) Just a thought. That's another story. Uh, But the reality is, we we like to know where we come from. We want to belong. We want to connect. We need to connect. In fact, most of all the counseling work we do is helping people figure out, where do I fit into this world? And one of my professors made this statement about kids that misbehave. Hey, here's a little freebie for you as a parent. Uh, kids that misbehave, if a child can't be the best at being the best, they'll be the best at being the worst. But they're going to be the best at something. And so when you look at kids and you look at people and you think, why would they do this thing? It's in a mind, and, and I know it doesn't make sense, but in many ways, it's trying to belong. That's why people get into gangs. That's why they do different things. You say that that's damaging to your life. Yeah, but they feel like they belong. They're connected. That's why the family is so important. We want our Kids to grow up and make their identity as a family. We're connected with this group of people who love me and protect me and have the best for me. And not not to be on the streets, you know. That's uh, that's where it can be so damaging. Hey, we'd love your feedback. We're talking intentional uh, living today, especially with our kids. Triple A, Triple A, seventeen seventeen on our comment line.
4: Hi, my name is Shannon. Uh, My question is regarding parenting one of our children. My husband and I are pretty much on the same page for two of our three children, but our oldest child, who's actually now an adult, is our challenge. And um, it just seems to be a battle between us, uh, between my husband and I, and our oldest son has recently come back to the house. To live with us and it's become more apparent once again now that he's back in the house he and my husband don't seem to click very well and my husband doesn't really discipline until he gets to the point where he just explodes with him and so I feel like I have to toe the line between them and try to have a good relationship with my son so that he has a relationship with one of us. So I tried to balance discipline and relationship, and it causes tension between my husband and I. So just trying to determine the best way to get some resolution in this relationship.
0: Thank you. Yeah, listen, real quickly, you're, you're a parent and you're a spouse. You're not a referee. A referee separates, makes decisions, makes the call, and everybody abides. You're not a referee because even if you make the call, nobody's going to abide by it, period. So get your husband behind closed door and say, honey, I love you, but I'm tired of this, and I'm resigning from getting in the middle between you and uh, our child. That's just something you're going to have to deal with. I'm backing off, and I'm going to be the parent that God intends for me to be, bottom line. All right, Rosie, appreciate your call. What, what's going on with you?
1: Um, I'm a single mom, actually, of six teenagers, if you can
0: believe that. Six teenagers and your single mom? Single mom. And Sally Van Horn is in the other studio here. She's just shaking her head, saying, Are you kidding? How do you do that?
1: <laughs> With the Lord, only through the <laughs> help of the Lord. I have one son and five teenage daughters.
0: Wow. Well, yes, so, what what, what what are you learning in the midst of this?
1: learning a lot. Three are adopted, and two I adopted myself. They were older Mm -hmm. when I adopted them. And real quick, I would say you were just talking about it. The rules without relationship equals rebellion. Mm -hmm. My number one thought in my brain when I parent my kids, because when it does become more about the rules and me trying to lay them down, it always it always makes things worse. But when I make sure that that relationship is there, that I'm listening, listen to what they have to say, no matter how ridiculous I think it is. Mm-hmm. I'm listening when I create that relationship with them, no matter how hard things get. And right now, I, things are hard. I mean, teenagers are not easy. I have my five kids that are still in school in four different schools. Two got kicked <laughs> out of school, so they're in alternative schools. Go into a meeting right now with one of them, but they're also amazing Wonderful kids. I would say know something about your team. Doesn't matter if you like that or not, know about something that they like and know something about it so you can share time with them. Absolutely. And spend time with them. Big thing. Spend time with your teen one on one. Listen to them. Create that relationship so that when you want to lay down your rules that you have for your family that they should know that the, you know, it creates that unity, it creates that respect that you want from them for you.
0: Amen to that. Hey, listen, we're wrapping up the show today. Love to hear your comments. Uh, if you're a parent, grandparent, what do you think? I love the close because she's reminding us of that little statement that I heard a long time ago from Josh McDowell. I was at a conference back at the CBN 700 Club, and Josh McDowell was there, and Kevin Lehman and I were there teaching, and I think it was Josh McDowell that made that statement, that a rule without a relationship creates rebellion. Rules without a relationship in parenting create rebellion. Uh, you can have all the rules in the world, draw all the lines, do all the intentional things you need to do. But if you don't have a good relationship with your son or daughter, uh, much less effective. Doesn't mean you still don't have rules, but remember, relationship really matters as well. I'm Dr. Randy. we got to run. Thank you, Jennifer and Amy. God bless you all. And we'll see you next time right here from the Intentional Living Center.